All right, well, we've been doing a series on animals throughout the Bible, and it's in no particular order. And we've just been sort of semi-randomly picking animals throughout, picking up lessons from things you can learn. Uh, and it's an interesting thing to see uh, some of the lessons that you can get. We've done all sorts of them. This week, we are going to do the ass and the ox, okay? Or the donkeys and the oxen. And they are throughout the Bible. And so we're going to be looking at just a few different lessons to try to wrap that all up and look at at what we can learn from that. Um, Driving home this week, I'd been thinking about a lot of things, and I suppose you folks have been too this week. And the world uh, weighs heavy on some of our minds this week. What the future brings... We don't know where we are, where our children will be in five years, and ten years, and twenty years. Uh, but it seems as though we'll watch our society, we watch it change, continually change. We're watching as separation becomes a normal thing amongst people. And we watch as truth is less and less valued, it seems. It is a difficult time to watch, and we've seen this for some time, but it seems as though it's getting more and more intense as time goes on. The whole society of unrest, a society where there is hatred, where there is lawlessness, a society where there is anger. And selfishness. And it's only building. It continues to build. It's like a freight train running faster and harder and bigger and longer. And more and more cars get on and we wonder what the impact is going to be as the end goes. It's tough when you think about those things. And my mind was rolling in on those things and I... Pulled into the driveway at my house, and there were my two youngest outside, because it was beautiful days. Because God is still faithful. God still makes all those things that he created ever so long ago, continues to do those things. All of the deer out in the field are doing what they've always done since the first day, right? And they, they show consistency. And so we have to know that God is consistent. So I sat in my truck for a moment as I watched my two youngest ones. Josiah had built a kite out of a little paper bag, and he tied all these tails and things to it. And Lillian, who's a fast runner, had decided she was going to tie a string to this kite. She had a special string that she figured out. And... uh, I watched as she ran, and I think it wasn't because of the wind or the design of the kite, but just because she runs so fast, that she got it up in the air at least about four or five feet, (laughs) and it sort of floated around behind her as she was running. And I thought, this is an important thing. Kids are very important, and they bring you some of the greatest joy in your life. Your kids, your grandkids... Bring great joy. Something very simple that they do 
They keep good perspective a lot of times because they allow the world to pass by without the heaviness of it on their minds. And that's the way that God has, has asked us to be in a lot of ways, to trust. And kids are great examples of that, but not always. <laughs> Sometimes... Our pride and joy <laughs> have the ability to say the meanest thing to you, right? To hurt you in the deepest way. The kids that you love so dearly, they have the ability to say words that cut you in a way that no one else can and it's because you love them that it hurts most. So here is what God has to say about that. We're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 1. He looks at us, and in particular in this verse they're talking about the children of Israel, but I think in a wider way this applies to us just as well, even if we are not Israelites this is a, uh, the human condition. So Isaiah chapter number 1, as we turn and we look to the opening paragraph, we're going to start in verse 2, the book of Isaiah chapter number 1, verse number 2, as we read and look at what God is thinking about. This is the message to the people in Israel. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. Here's what he said, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, and they are gone away backwards. There is more that I can say for humans about the ox and the ass. He says, here's what's happened. I raised you, I fed you, I nourished you like children. I gave you everything. I loved you to the depth of my heart. And in God's heart, that's an infinite depth. And you turned against me. And you said things against me. And I'll tell you, when your kids don't know and assume you're doing something just to take something away from them when they're ungrateful there's nothing that makes me gets under my skin more makes me angry when they're ungrateful for something they have the ability to dig and dig and dig right and get at you and say those things about you and to you Sometimes just on purpose to twist the knife, right? Because they know and they've watched you and they don't understand why you're doing it. 
You love them dearly, and it's why you're doing it, and yet they say, well, you're just doing it to get at me, so I'm going to go back at you. And that's the way we look at it, right? Kids bring great joy, except oftentimes, though you love them, they return the love in rebellion. And that's exactly what God has said about Israel at this time. He says, you have just turned away. You did things and you said things and you went your own way against me. He said, the ox and the ass, they're smart enough to know where their food comes from. They know their owner. If you have animals and you have a consistency and feeding them and treating them and things like that I could walk up to one of Brad and Sally's horses and they don't know me but the moment that Sally opens the barn they know right because she feeds me I know that right? and so they have a loyalty to them they have a loyalty and I can walk in they have no loyalty to me the, the ox and the ass, okay, the donkey and the oxen, the cows and the horses are smarter than us a lot of times because they know the, fan, the hand that feeds them. That's that old saying, right? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Animals know it, but we as humans have in our heart rebellion. So we have to beware. We have to beware that we don't have an attitude of, I don't care. I don't care about God. I don't care what God wants to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Oftentimes, our rebellion, the things we do and say, it lurks deep within us, and it's very subtle. We don't recognize it. We don't see it takes place in a, a little bit of pride, a little bit of something that, that sneaks out here and there. And all of a sudden, we turn our backs slowly, ever so slowly, and we say, well, I'm, I'm doing most of what I'm supposed to do. But we, we are so easily turned. Take a lesson from the ox and the ass and know the hand that feeds you. Just like the ox and the ass, they know where their food comes from. Be that way to God and know God has tenderly cared for us. Be careful to make sure we are loyal to God. Let's turn on with, to the next one as we look at another one about oxen. In 1 Samuel... 1 Samuel chapter number 15. This is a story that needs a little bit of introduction here. Saul has become the king, all right? Saul is the king of Israel. And Saul has been told to do something by God, all right? Saul has been told to take uh, 
the Amalekites because the Amalekites have been an enemy of God. They are to be taken and God directly tells King Saul, I want you to go in and I want you to take that society away. They have been pulling people directly away from me. They have been working as a society directly away from me. And this is what I'm telling you. You're going to war with them and you will defeat them. And you must take out that race of people. They will be a thorn if you don't do it. And so, we pick up in the story, as we hear this message, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 1, as we pick up the story, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his, over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim. 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And so, I want you to go and take out the Amalekites, okay? The people of Amalek. I want you to get rid of them. So Saul says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. He gathers up an army. He's got 210,000 people to go fight the Amalekites. And he takes the army and he fights them and he defeats them. And all is happy. And he's enjoying what had happened, his great victory. And Samuel comes back to him afterwards. As we go to verse number 13, as we pick up the story, Saul has defeated the Amalekites. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He says, I did a great job, he said. And Samuel said, what meaneth this bleeding of the sheep in mine ear and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? He says, how come I hear the cows mooing? I thought God said to take them all out, wipe them all out. That was a specific instruction from God. Why do I hear the cows mooing? Why do I hear the sheep Verse 15, and Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen, oh, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. So, he says, hey, I took out all the sick ones and the weak ones. We saved the best ones because we're going to give them to God. Now, isn't that a good thing? Isn't he supposed to sacrifice to God? Well, not really, because God gave very specific instruction. God has, has a love for sacrifice from his people, but he was told to take out that entire society. See, there's a little more to the story, because it wasn't just the sheep and the oxen. 
God wasn't interested in a sacrifice at that point. He was interested in him being obedient. And so when he left the sheep and the oxen behind, he also left a man that there was their king, a man named Agag. He was the king. And he did a few things to him, okay, just to show him who was boss, but he left him alive. And when he left him alive, and God had said, make sure you wipe them all out. It was a few generations later that he had a, a great-great-great-grandson, and the name of his great-great-grandson was Haman. Haman was famous for trying to wipe out the Israelites in the book of Esther because Saul did not obey completely. When God tells us something, and this is a sobering thing to think about, we always say, well, I had a little better idea, God, right? I know what you told me, and I did most of it. See, I did a good job over here, but I sort of did this other thing, too, on the side. It's not quite 100%. I mean, I'm 95% there, and we should celebrate that, right? Right, because I have a big sacrifice for you, God, right? And isn't that good? But God was very specific, and he often is with us, and he says, I want you to be obedient. And obedient doesn't mean most of the way. When I tell my kids, put away clothes... And they get most of the way there and drop them on the floor. Oh, boy. Right? <laughs> it's in my room, right? <laughs> I don't need to put them in the dresser. I mean, what a waste of time, right? <laughs> and yet what happens is they just build up on the floor in piles. And then do you know what happens? I know you know if you've ever had kids. They say, I can't find my blah, sweatshirt or my pair of socks or whatever. Did you look in the pile on the floor? Because I'm guessing it's in there, right? Some is under your bed now because it's gotten kicked around. And the rest of it is not folded anymore. All of those things you get because it didn't quite do it. Not all of it. So God looks at us and says, if I want you to be obedient, I'm telling you to go all the way. Don't go most of the way. And we find it very easy, and we find it easy to tell ourselves, well, I'm justifying what I did because I had a good idea. God, I had a really good idea, and I did most of it, and it was pretty good. By the way, Saul didn't fare too well after that. He did a very poor job as king, and he was out. Because he wasn't quite, his heart wasn't quite in obedience. He was going to do what looked good. But it wasn't enough down deep in his heart. He didn't have a desire to be obedient. So the lesson of the oxen here is watch for the lowing of the oxen. Don't leave God's business unfinished so you can hear the cows still mooing. There it is, still mooing. Saul, what's the cow mooing then if you did it? 
We all have cows in our life, and you can hear the mooing every once in a while. You just need that person to say, hey, what's going on? How come you didn't do this all the way? How come you didn't do it all the way? Obedience is what God asks us to go all the way. Proverbs chapter 14, as we change our look here. As we continue with the oxen, Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 4, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox. If you've ever noticed, there are people, certain people, if you've worked anywhere in a group of people, there are some people who are workers and get the job done, and then there are the others. That's just all there is to it, right? There are those people who go in and get work done and do what they need to do, and then there are others who watch or who give you advice on how you could do it better, or who tell the boss what a good job they did, right? There are plenty of those people out there. But God blesses the faithful workers, right? God brings increase for those people. The faithful workers... Those people who are good at service. He blesses them. He grows them. Sometimes he blesses them with more money. Or sometimes he blesses them with other positions. And sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he gives them internal blessings. Okay, That other people can't see. A satisfaction. If you are the only one who works hard in your group and you know it, you go home at night with a satisfaction that no one else in the group has. And you say, well, ah, that's not how they act. But I'll tell you, in their minds and in their hearts, they know who really is a good person. And if you have good leaders out there, those people help and support the hard workers all right but you go to the faithful you go to the ones you can trust and the oxen is the one that's out there doing the hard and heavy work it's not fast oxen are not known for speed they are just known for doing the work pulling the plow grinding the corn doing the things that is not there's no glamour to it. There's just plain old work. And sometimes there is, well, probably most of the time, there is no glamour in our lives. No glamour in just working hard every day. And you see as that person goes up, like I said, and tells the boss what a wonderful job they did, and it might get under your skin a little bit, but know that God has paid attention to every ear of corn you have ground as an oxen, okay? Every furrow that you have plowed as an oxen. 
whether it has been 30 years that you've been the one to do it or not. God has paid attention if you have done it and not given trouble, but just have done what you were called to do. Worked hard. Oftentimes a thankless job. That is what service is called. Okay? And that doesn't always just mean physical labor, although there's a lot of that out there. There is a requirement in God's kingdom for service. God wants his people to be servants, servants of one another. And so when you come to a place like this, this little tiny church, there are dozens and dozens of things that are done every single week that make this service happen. Little bits, little parts and pieces. Things get built and things get fixed and, and things get cleaned and things get decorated and things get put together so that you come in and have an experience. Those things, although we make it a point in this church to be thankful to those people, they are often pretty thankless. Done by one or two people here or there. Okay? How many of you have ever seen this year somebody mowing the lawn here? Got mowed every week. Pretty thankless, right? The flowers just happen to be all in the right places, all the right time. There's not a bunch of dead stuff up here. <laughs> Somebody takes care of that. Because we have animals that come in here <laughs> and take care of stuff. They peel bits of corn off and they throw stuff down and there's always, and it gets cleaned up and it looks nice every single week. Service is an important part of God's kingdom. Always has been and always will be. And that is one of the big things that an oxen is good for, is service. Steady service, and God will reward it. He not only rewards it with just, hey, thanks. He rewards it with an increase. And that's why churches grow, is because People with the heart of a servant do things not for glamour, but just because they know it needs to be done. And they care. And they love the Lord. And so they do it. Everybody has their little task that they do. And they do it. And people are out telling people in the community that's a part of service out there. Okay, It's a part of what God is watching and saying, I'm watching what you're doing. I pay attention to your conversations. I put together and know that you're painting this and you're mowing that and you're fixing this and you're taking care of that and somebody's studying and somebody's practicing singing and somebody's doing all sorts of things, okay? And he says, I'm not only just going to do that, but I am going to increase what you do. You're going to do one thing and I'm going to bring back ten times back to you and I'm going to keep track of it and you'll see what a real reward is in heaven what you're going to get rewarded for little bits of service here and there little bits of things when you didn't have time for something and you did it anyways and you said well i really don't have time to do that but i'm going to give a couple hours because i think it's important to do god's going to bless that so that's one thing that an oxen is great for is service and he says when you're working there i'm going to fill your corn crib up because the going out and doing that work brings full barns of things, all right? 
one more piece as we look at the other side of an oxen. To finish up, we are going to look at in Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24, verse number 5. And he, that is Moses, sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. So there's another thing that the oxen are famous for. One thing is service, and the other thing is sacrifice. Service and sacrifice is what oxen are famous for. A couple different things. Two different offerings it talks about. Sacrificing. One is a burnt offering. And this is an important one. And it is what happens with a burnt offering is it was given as a propitiation or a stopgap. For our sin. Okay? Now, did it really help as a stopgap? No. But what it did was in God's eyes, he said, I've already got a great sacrifice. Jesus Christ is a sacrifice. And he has been slain from the foundation of the world. In God's eyes, the, the sacrifice was already complete. Okay? From the very beginning. But the oxen that were sacrificed as a burnt offering were done so that the people that offered them as a sacrifice would see. So, if anybody's ever slaughtered an animal, it is not a clean thing. It is not a pleasant thing. It is a very unpleasant thing. And every day, they slaughtered animals, okay? And when you, you kill a cow... That's not a little bit of effort, okay? That's a lot of effort. And what they did was took an entire cow, which was, could feed a family for a long time. But they took the whole thing, and they put it on a great big fire, and they burned every bit of it. The blood was used up, taken and gone specifically, Every drop of blood taken out of that cow, and then every bit of it burned up. Why? It's such a waste, right? It teaches, again and again, to generation after generation, that the sacrifice will take great, it will become at a great cost. And when Christ came to earth, it was a great cost. It was... The Son of God giving his entire life every drop of blood until every bit of him was used up and there was nothing left. And he finally gave up the ghost, as it said, and said, it is finished. So the whole thing is to teach and, and learn from an oxen, okay, as they gave this sacrifice, that it will cost, it cost God everything to give us a chance at salvation, Cost him everything. Cost him his own son. So a burnt offering is an important one to know. Okay? 
important one to think about. And the peace offering, which it says also oxen were given as peace offerings. Not just to pay, pay for our sins, but a peace offering was given as a thanks to God. A payment of a vow to say, God, I will do this. I will give you this. You bless me and I will give you this. Or just a plain old joy and happiness, a love gift. So it was, yes, costly to that person to give an entire oxen. But it was meant to say, thank you, God, for the blessings in my life. Thank you, God, for the blessings. It cost me dearly, but thank you. So the oxen has this balance of service and sacrifice. And there's an old uh, picture. They used to hang them in some of the Moravian churches years and years ago. The idea of something called service versus sacrifice. There was a, a picture, kind of a slash in between it. And one was a fire and the other side was a plow. So the oxen teaches us this ability of a Christian to have two things, two pathways. God may bring you and have a full life of service. There where you are working day in and day out, being a faithful worker, and someday you may be called for sacrifice. What does that mean? I don't know what it means for you or me. But I do know people have given their lives for the gospel. People in other countries today have given their lives for the gospel, for the furtherance of God's kingdom. So if we as followers of God see this and we see the ox and we say we could do either, we're willing for either. Willing for either service or sacrifice, whatever comes, we're willing to do it. Just as the ox. And so we learn that balance to say, God, I'm here to do what you've which you have made me to do. And if the time comes where sacrifice is required of you, by you, then I'm your servant, and I will do it. And if the time comes where I just have to grind away for the next 50 years of service, I'll do it. Because I know the sacrifice you made was so great, and you loved us so much that you did this for us. You gave your only son. For us. So we learn some big lessons from the oxen and from the ass to say, be aware and pay attention. Know that we should not bite the hand that feeds us. Know where our blessings come from. Know that we owe everything to God. Watch for the sounds in our life. The mooing of the cows, as it were, right? The things that say, maybe you should obey all the way. And be ready for service or sacrifice, whatever God calls us for. And those are lessons that come from the ass and the oxen out of the word of God. They're good lessons to think about and weigh those things in your mind because time will come. When decisions have to be made, be ready and saying, I will do either. I'm ready for service or sacrifice.
Thank you very much. Have a good day. You're dismissed.